Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we are airing one of the panel sessions that we held this past February at our inaugural Blister Summit, and this is a great conversation. We brought together four very accomplished artists and designers to discuss the intersection of art and the ski and snowboard worlds, as well as the broader outdoor industry. And as one of our panelists notes here in the conversation, this is a lineup of heavy hitters in the art and design world. On the panel, we've got Yorgo Tulupas, who, among many other things, is the co-founder of Black Crow's Skis. We've got Jeff McFetridge, who has worked with brands like Patagonia and Nike, and he was actually tapped to design artwork for the Apple Watch. And I believe he was the first and only designer whose art appears on the Apple Watch, which is pretty wild. And actually, maybe even more wild than that, Jeff is also my personal telemark coach. And he is still claiming that he is going to come out to Crested Butte when we finally film our Telemark ski video. So I can't wait for that. Okay, the third member of our panel is the artist John Fellows. John lives right here in Crested Butte. He actually designed our Blister Summit logo. And you can find John's artwork displayed all around the outdoor industry. Finally, the fourth member of our panel today is the co-founder of Icelandic Skis, Travis Parr, who not only co-founded Icelandic, but he is responsible for Icelandic's very distinctive artwork, and you'll get to hear him talk about that and some of the other projects that he has been working on. So yeah, as I said, this is a lineup of heavy hitters, and it was a pleasure talking with these four artists about art and the outdoor industry. So this is the conversation that we have on tap for you today. And I should say that you can also head over to our Blister Review YouTube channel if you'd like to watch the video of this conversation. So we'll include links to that YouTube video in the show notes of this podcast episode, as well as on our website. Now, just before we get going and speaking of the Blister Summit, Registration is open for our second annual Blister Summit that will be held February 20th through the 27th. So for more information about the Blister Summit, go to the navigation bar on our Blister website. And once again, we'll also include links in the show notes of this podcast episode. But one of the things that we are very excited about is the possibility that at this upcoming Blister Summit, we're actually going to be able to hold all of our panel sessions in person. And so if you come, you'll be able to meet and chop it up with a number of very distinguished and very cool panelists. So come to the Blister Summit this February. Come ski and ride with professional athletes and Blister reviewers and come meet a number of company founders and designers and frankly, just some of our favorite people in the global ski community. Yeah, it's basically the best time ever. So come. And now let's go ahead and get to our Blister Summit panel session on art and the outdoor industry. Here we go. 
Well, everyone, welcome back to another panel session from the Blister Summit. I think what we'll do is go ahead and just have each of you introduce yourselves and just talk a little bit. We can do this real brief, just a little bit about who you are, where you are, and then we are going to get into a big conversation about artwork and the ski world. And perhaps we'll start opening things up a bit to art and the broader outdoor industry. So Yorgo, since uh, since it's 2 a.m. in France right now, I feel like you deserve to go first. Yorgo, why don't we start with you and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're up to. Uh, hi, so my name is Yorgo Tlupas. Um I'm half French, half Greek. I live in Paris and uh, I'm an art director and designer, I guess. And um, I run a small design company called Yorgo & Co. And uh, the reason I'm here is because uh, one of my clients, and which is a bit more than a client, uh, is Black Crow Skis, which um, I helped launch in 2006. And uh, for it's a brand which does more than skis now, but I do basically, I did the logo, I do all the skis, and now I do everything. I mean, I've done everything visually that came out of the brand from clothing to window displays to advertising and everything. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. And yeah, thanks for staying up late for us. Jeff McFetridge, friend of various blister conversations. Very happy to have you back on this. And tell the people who you are, Jeff. Uh, Jeff McFetridge. I'm in Los Angeles, so an hour different from Mountain Time, Colorado. Um, I grew up in Mountain Time in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, and so my first, so my beginnings as an artist were um, like skateboarding into, and then my like first like real work was for snowboarding because snowboarding was invented when I was like just becoming like an artist. So my uh my first almost my first ever mass produced things were um snowboards um like even before i did skateboards and then uh came to california to go to grad school and also because skateboarding and the sort of the clients i had at that time um and so i've continued to have like a relationship to the outdoor industry that's mainly based in loving the outdoors and being a skier and a snowboarder and sort of like it's like to me it's like very natural to always have a connection to like outdoors type companies as well as like companies like I mean Yorgo very much so he you know has in Paris he works for very high-end fashion brands which I think it's very normal in Paris to work for like luxury goods brands and I think being in California it's very normal to work for outdoors brands. Well happy to have you here Jeff. John Fellows my neighbor my office neighbor tell us a little bit about yourself John. Uh, yeah my name is John Fellows I'm an artist and designer and illustrator based here in Crested Butte. So like 11 feet right now for me, but mine kind of, I work in the outdoor industry primarily with just other random jobs here and there. And it was after a long bout of just the normal designer story where you just do a lot of horrible design, bad clients and just pays the bills and buys plane tickets so I could travel as much as I could. And then eventually just found the direction I wanted to go and just kind of concentrated on that. And then luckily I've always got to live in nice places, <laughs> hence Crested Butte now. And um, yeah, so primarily my work's pretty much all in the snow and some other realms of the outdoor world, but that's about it. Hence you always see mountains in my work. 
Last but certainly not least, Travis Parr. Travis, we're really happy to have you here and tell us a little bit about your own background. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> kind of stumbled upon the arts as a young child and didn't really know what I wanted to do, but ended up getting a scholarship out to an art school out in California. And it that's where I went. And four years of that, graduated and then started Icelandic skis uh, with my best friend, Ben Anderson. He was going to industrial design school up in Washington. And I was down here in Laguna Beach, where I'm currently residing. And he called me up and was like, we're going to start a ski company. I'm like, let's do it, buddy. I've been skiing with this guy my whole life. We've been best friends and I knew that he had the passion and the drive to get shit done. So, and so did I, and we just kind of collided and created Icelandic skis, which has now been on the market for 15 years. So it's pretty, pretty amazing to, um, to be able to have that opportunity and to start it with your best friend. Um, you know, I've been designing and illustrating. I'm, I'm a core illustrator, love design, um, and I love the idea of storytelling, whatever way that may be. And then, you know, I kind of bring my own ways and fortright to what stories I want to create. And so that kind of keeps me driving towards being an illustrator and being an artist. And Icelandic has just been an awesome platform for me to kind of like not look at the galleries and really dive into a counterculture that wasn't really very art heavy at all. It was just pure design. And as an illustrator, my background comes in storytelling. And so I got to bring all of that to the table with this company and offer storytelling skis to the outdoor industry. So it's, it's been a pleasure and an honor so far and just going to keep going. So. Um, a couple other clients I, I work with, uh, you know, if when I had the chance, um, I work with a lot of other clients too to kind of bring visions and ideas and stories to their book as well. Um, one of the clients I just dropped off was Fender Guitars. Um, I'm currently working with the custom shop there, making some amazing instruments, just like skis are instruments, you know, it's kind of. One of my passions is artwork that actually moves and does something rather than just sit on the gallery wall for your mind to see. So it, it's been a it's been a really fun, I would say, adventure to kind of meld where my where I want to like put my focus um, on products or on canvas. So I guess that's that's it. And it's like I said, super proud to be here and. Hell of a hell of a crew right now. So thank you guys. I think if we can try to think through this in just terms of like where are we right now? And are do we do we like things? And let's let's kind of stay focused for the moment at the ski world. And as we're looking at kind of artwork and skiing, I kind of want to just open this up to you all and say, give us a sense of where you think we are. And are we in in your view? Did things used to be better? Are things getting better? Do you really like where we are today in uh, in this ski world? So, Jeff, I think I'll open with you. For me, I'll start at my beginning, which would be like, it was an innovation to put a picture on a snowboard. 
in the 90s. So like you take something like skateboarding and you put a picture on it. And then I think like in skiing, there's always been a current of like, depending on when you started skiing, you sort of liked the way skis were. So for me, my generation, there was always this sense of like, should skis look more like, look more like Olin's or old K2s mm-hmm. that were like logo driven. And so there was this like push and pull of a ski that was like, had like an image on it or like represented something that was maybe like culture and um, like connected to something outside of the real outside in like the real world, which is like mountain world isn't exactly real world or ski world. Um, so there's like that sort of going on. Like, I think it's like, there's like, for me, like when, like I've always found making snowboards or, or um, skateboards or skis. Like I've, I did my first pair of skis actually this year, like I've done snowboards, but I've never convinced a ski company to let me do skis. Like I've worked for Solomon and I've worked for K2 in the past. And I would say like, let me do skis, but no one wanted to. And I think that there was this sense of like, well, skis sell in some other way. Um, they are more conservative, uh, more uh, like timeless or something, which I agree with. And I think that like the higher, like um, when it comes to doing anything, like I think that I don't necessarily think objects are better with a picture on them. I mean, I know they're not. I think objects can be like, I think that to give value to something is the, the highest goal, right? And so like, how do you give value to something? And you can give value to something by attaching a story to it with a tag. You can attach a story to it by saying like, oh, this person was involved in it. Or you can attach like, you can like raise the value of something to increase the, like to have like an object create like this sort of like user experience. And so I think it's like, can you do that with pictures? Can you do that with stripes? Can you do that with uh, history? Can you do that with materials? So I think that's, that's sort of my view of like, as like an image maker, I often think like, do I really have the tools to make a ski better? I don't really know. You know, like, I think like, I, what, you know, I think I had said when we were chatting like about like um, the ski industry being like an artless place and that what I meant by that not was an artless place, but that where there are other values. So like, and like sort of like industrial design values, materials, values, finishing values, like when you hold a ski, like, well, if it's shiny or if the edges are beveled or, you know, as much as like, do you want it? Like, I like that picture on it, or I like that brand, you know, people are very brand loyal as a designer, as an image maker, like, where do you sit with skis? And I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. That's awesome. Great answer. Love that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I mean, that's like what skiing is kind of about, you know, it's like, it's the artist and the craftsmanship of the actual ski and, and how does playing with the visuals on top of something that's already beautiful, do you take away from that or does that enhance it? I think, I think that, that was really, really awesome to hear. I really appreciate it. And I would throw it to Yorgo as someone who has, I think, designed some of the most beautiful skis we've seen over the past I mean, almost like a decade now. And I think like, I, I think of black crow skis, like if they sucked, I'd still ski them because they look <laughs> rad. And I think it's like diabolical, but. Sure. They're pretty well, that's the artist's mind, you know, that's awesome. I love it. I love <laughs> it. But I must disagree on the artless thing. Cause I think, you know, skiing because of the object, basically of the tool of the trade, 
you're, um, it's one of those sports where there's a canvas. So there's not that many sports with a canvas where the tool is a canvas. So you have skiing, surfing, skateboarding, and it kind of stops almost there. I mean, maybe windsurfing, but not really. But if you think of basketball, tennis, uh, football or soccer, wh whichever you call, none of those sports have got a canvas. They, you know, they've got the ball, but the ball has never been kind of a, a surface. All the ball sports very rarely has the ball become like a place where design or art was meant to be applied. And, and you think of those sports I've just mentioned, they're all kind of canvas sports. So I think that it's not really an artless industry in the sense that there's that shape, which really basically looks like a weird shaped canvas because obviously you wouldn't have a canvas that's that long, but like skateboarding is the ultimate canvas uh, sport, obviously, because the skateboard pretty much looks like a, like a painting. I mean, the size of it is very, very close to the size of a painting. Mm -hmm. And uh, so with skiing, I think, you know, there's always been that surface that called for design. And I can't think of um, any beyond those three sports I've talked about. I don't know, kayak, which other sports have got surfaces? Yeah, we, sales of sailboats. Uh, yacht, yachting, like <laughs> World Cup or whatever. America's Cup yachts. Yeah, but then again, super design. It's, it's super design, but it's sponsors. When, unlike the, the kind true. of, you know, the average dude boat which is moored in your harbor doesn't have like a big painting on the sail which is a shame because that that's a perfect canvas in a way but it's kind of interesting that you know there's skiing has got that canvas and it's flat on on the top flat on the bottom so there's so much that can be done on there i think i think it's like is there a tension well and it also has a big history it's not skiing's been around way before skateboarding snowboarding sure. it, it has this type of utilitarian um, aesthetic already in, embedded in it that do you need or want artwork to kind of detract from the actual meaning itself? This is a big question. Um, I love seeing like everyone's take on skiing. That's what's crazy about it. You know, it's like it was easier for me to do a snowboard when I started Icelandic than do the skis. Mm -hmm. And so to take the skateboard, the surfing, the imagery of an actual culture, and that's what I love about culture, is that it, it actually has artwork that gets built on the years and years and years of this culture, which skiing is so utilitarian that skateboarding took the, the edge, snowboarding, and then snowboarding grabbed that, and then surfing grabbed it as well. But but you look at surfboards and there there's no graphics really on them. It's like you just want to see plain foam with the stringer. It's very design and utilitarian aspect of it. And now that's changing. I started a stand-up paddleboard company two years ago. Full on, it's it's like inflatable. So we can print these huge canvases, 11 feet. They're almost like murals on the on the water and like like you were saying it's it has that capability of being a canvas mm -hmm. which i think is a great way to kind of philosophize about these different materials and different aspects of 
board sports or just yeah. canvases in general as artist to artist. So that's 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 really awesome. John, I'm curious what your take is on the canvas question. Well, I think s- designing skis is definitely a lot different than a snowboard is a bigger canvas and so is a skateboard. So I think those, if the idea is there, it's easier to create an image that's, you know, wider than that, you know? I think that's like the, that's like the biggest challenge is like what kind of interesting idea you can come up with that will fit into this, either if it spreads across two skis or even if it's just on one and they're repeated, like what can you do? Because that's like, that's a tight thing to work with to really distill an idea down into a thin shape that's really tall, but thin, I think is a lot more difficult. Um, especially if you're more of like an illustrative type for me, like it's always hard to like try to figure out what, how to make something this wide, but this tall, you know, like look interesting Hmm. when doing a skateboard, you know, that's a good size canvas. You can do a lot with that. Yeah. The, the analogy I use when I try to explain to my students or designers, I'm like, okay, it's as if you were supposed to design something on a matchstick. Is that how you call them when you, when you eat yes. Chinese food, matchstick? So that's it. Chop, oh, chop, chopstick. Chopstick, sorry. Yeah. What's a matchstick? What's a matchstick again? That's for lighting. Fire. Well, kind of the same. Actually, chopstick. The same. Imagine yeah. chopstick is a good example because basically there's two of them. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I like this. Wow. Chopstick design. Good luck. <laughs> so... Just as we, you know, we've been talking about where is there consensus and where do we have a divergence of opinions, where do we want to rank then, say, compared to snowboarding? If I think many of you have said that there tends to be more artwork on snowboards or in the snowboarding world, is this literally because of the shape of these tools? Yes or no? Jeff's going with no. Go ahead, Jeff. I think it's more... Something that like if we had someone, well, Travis, I guess, finished this, but I think that's like market forces and like what sells the ski to who and why it has to do with like retailers, what they want, what buyers want, the age of buyers, the age of shop owners, um, new who's coming into the market. Like it's like snowboarding. Like when I started snowboarding, it was like these people were buying their first snowboard ever. Cause they, you know, they've never bought one before. And then skiers, it's like, I'm replacing a pair of skis or I'm an older skier or mm-hmm. I'm buying skis for my family. Or, I mean, it becomes like super three-dimensional. I think it's sort of interesting to talk about like, well, what, what is the use of, you know, I think the use of graphics for like, for it's like building a brand and image that gives value to something you're branding, or are you creating like a special edition? Like for me, I made those skis for K2 and it's just going to happen once. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like this limited thing. So are you selling skis because it's like, oh, these are going to be gone next year. Like I have these same skis, but I want them with this graphic. Or are you, you know, these sort of, which that gets into some, it's sort of like, like it's less about design and it's more about marketing. Like you're not designing to express something about K2. It's like you're remarketing an ex- literally an existing product with image. And so for me, it's like when I'm often in that position, I think it's like on me to give value in some other way. So what I did is I created a, like a, like a sort of a depth of story that I don't even talk about, but like in this, the skis, it's like a film strip telling a story about the experience of the outdoors and like this sort of like, um, the goal of having experience for like, uh, uh, sort of inner like realization of like yourself. And it's like, no one asked me to tell this story, 
but it's like that's a way of giving value to something instead of like treating it like oh this is like a hype like just doing something to be cool or something but that's basically what it is and so it's like where do where so as a designer when you're starting a project like where do you decide where you lie are you trying to fit something if you're working for a ski company are you trying to fit it within a line are you creating a new part of the line or is it a limited edition or like is it a picture or is it something that is uh more graphic that is uh like about like being part of someone's body you know like you're attached to skis so i think it's like your head is attached it's like part of like Hmm. an entire thing the skis aren't independent from your body um they are like part of one thing um, and I think that is, uh, yeah, that's like, I think that's unique as well. Travis, Jeff was just talking about, you know, does art sort of reinforce and really help to establish the identity of a company? Feel free to respond to some things that Jeff just said, but, um, if, if this was always part of the original idea with Icelandic or maybe conversations between you and Ben, or was Ben just like, do something cool on these skis? Well, it definitely happened. Ben said, do something cool on these skis. <laughs> at the beginning, um, you know, it, it was that struggle of the chopstick mentality. Um, it was such a tough way to design. But I think over the years, um, I'm kind of a natural at it. I don't want to say that out loud, but uh, I guess I just did. So yeah, did. it's recorded. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I kind of have, I kind of have my tricks and like, I, I feel like artists design in their own unique way. And I mean, you look back in history of, of, of things that are really skinny and then like a totem, for example, could be a good example of maybe a pair of skis. Mm. I kind of have that totem mentality and I've kind of been creating illustrations this way of layering it this way and also this way. Um, and it's just, I, I think I've just gotten, gotten really lucky in the sense that my natural ability wants to design things in this uh, vertical format versus like a super horizontal. But at the same time, I, I do really nice landscapes that sell. So it's, it's, it's kind of what, I kind of want to just go back to the aesthetic of it. And are you creating artwork for artwork's sake? Or are you trying to create design that's going to take this product to the next level, even if this product hasn't even evolved for a couple of years? And how do you, do you treat that like marketing or do you treat that like artwork? The answer is both. As long as you're, in my opinion, you have ethics and responsibility as an artist to showcase art and a story, then that's as far as it really goes for me. I, I love design. I love storytelling. It's, it's how can we do this over and over and over again, even if the skis are the same. Um, it kind of brings that, that idea of exclusivity which these are sold out but then we have new skis but then as an owner starting this company you can kind of run into problems with that too it's like whoa well certain people liked last year's graphic more than this year's graphic but guess what's still the same the skis Mm -hmm. and so how do you differentiate 
your approach based on that. I just do what I love and I keep designing and keep illustrating and I, I'm not really looking back, but the past has definitely brought me to this point that I'm at right now. And so this is like one of those ideas and those struggles that, you know, I'm constantly trying to figure out, like I have to design the whole Icelandic line for next year coming up right now with a super baller year that happened before. And it's like, how do I manage this pressure or keep my authenticity as an artist without trying to just, you know, make a pretty ski for pretty ski sakes. Um, you know, back in the day, I think it was like four or five years ago, I abandoned painting and design um, like all together and then just went with my instinct and I, I did sculptures and I'd never sculpted before. Not like on this, not on this kind of scale. And I went in a studio, I busted out like, I think 13 original sculptures. And then I took photos of those and then designed the skis after the art. So there is this kind of like, you can create the art and then you can get a designer and then you can kind of have best of both worlds kind of colliding into this aspect as well, which I really love is, which I really love. Um, but I think for me, like one of the best things past couple of years, like going to SIA was like walking in and seeing what Yorgo and like Travis since they established such an identity with mm -hmm. Black Crows and Icelandic, that the idea of like the same person doing the skis every year, it's got to be so hard. Like mm -hmm. mentally, that would crush me probably. Like if every year I had to like figure out what to do different, but it's still going to be my style. And like with Yorgo taking the Chevron and then every year just being able to make something amazing looking with this little graphic icon and just the way he switches it up just enough that it looks completely different, but insanely like beautiful, you know, and same with Travis. It's like every year, well, I'm, I'm horrible at painting. So like the looking at his paintings and stuff that when he does a full painting or he does digital and painting and everything together, like, it's amazing to see what they can do year to year. And it's just different every time, even though you can tell the same person did it. It's just, I don't know. It's like, for me, it's like all my stuff looks the same, <laughs> you know, it's like, but like, yeah, like seeing brands like that. And then like when Ryan Schmies was with K2, like seeing what he was going to pull out, you know, cause all those other brands, you know, they just have an in-house designer and then they hire an illustrator out of house, like me or Jeff just come in do a ski or two. And then they're on to the next thing, you know, it's like, there's so much less pressure with us than like these guys having to sit there and figure out how to design like 10 skis. So they all look different, but they all look the same, you know, and then do it year to year. It's just, that's kind of mind boggling for me. <laughs> Yorgo, can you speak to this? Well, there are a couple of things that were said that were quite interesting. Um, first of all, I love the analogy of the totem because I'm like, yeah, well, that's interesting. And I've been thinking since Travis said that, I'm like, which other art or decorative or architectural piece has got such an elongated shape. Mm -hmm. And apart from antique columns, to be honest, 
and which were not really varied in terms of their surface, they just had those stripes, you know, the Greek and the Roman columns, okay? And maybe you could find some columns in ancient Egypt and ancient Mesopotamia had more of a kind of decorative and um, irregular type decoration, but the totem is such a great analogy, I think, you know, and that's really like, we have to do totems every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a tricky one, you know, it's it's so tricky. At first, when I, you know, I, I'm the same as Jeff, I, came, I come from skateboarding and snowboarding. And funny enough, I don't know if we talked about this, Jeff, but my first ever job was designing snowboards, like straight out of art school. Mm-hmm. Basically my, um, my end of year, my end of studies, diploma project you have to do one and my school it's a five years course in Paris and that's cool and you've got the final three months you have to do a project and my project at the time I was um, I wanted to do a snowboard brand and I was sponsored I was writing for Rossignol I was doing uh, freestyle competitions and um, and I told the brand manager I was like oh can you print out snowboards I want to have like a, when I create a fake snowboard brand and put it on my booth at the end of the year in the, in the, in, in the school, you know, and it's like, and I'm like, Oh, I, I want to call it orange. I thought that was a good name. Funny enough, there's a bicycle brand in, in the States called orange. Right. But it's also the main mobile phone carrier in France now, but it didn't exist <laughs> back then. So anyway, so I had that name in mind and the guy was like, Oh yeah, well, orange. Okay. Well, okay. We'll print you snowboards, but they're not going to be called orange. I was like, why? <laughs> they're gonna be called Rossignol, and if we like them, we'll buy them. We, you'll do the next um, season snowboards. So <clears throat> I did that, uh, exhibited in the school, put them in my in my dad's car. I just got my driving license. I was 21 or something. I know that's very old for the states to get a driving license, but still. And um, <laughs> and drove to Verbier, where every uh, winter uh, summer I was doing the the training camps. The, the snowboard camps but they also had this kind of marketing meeting and i came with this um with my boards and and the logo and they bought everything so this to go back to um jeff's thing um basically skateboarding and snowboarding i think have got a way more um the the community the buyers and the actors of the of the industry were at least I'm talking about 20 years ago, were more inclined to to go towards you know strong visual directions for the product, and and if you look at the first snowboards, you know almost in the first year of Burton they started having graphics like very specific non-technological graphics. If you look at skis from the 20s to the 50s to the 60s. They're all very simple. They've got a line in the middle, the brand at the top, and maybe something written on like a logo on uh, some kind of chevron at the, at the at the spatula. But uh, snowboards from the first years of snowboarding, they had graphics like the Burton Safari, if you think of it, with all the the, the zebra colorful print. You know, Sims Burton Winter Stick. They all had graphics. I don't know why. You know, why is it just a period of time when people were more inclined to go for graphics or was it kind of a rebellious attitude? Okay, we're not like skiing, we're kind of more underground, we're, we're not allowed on the slopes. Mm. You know, I I've literally have, don't have an idea, like I'm not a historian, but clearly snowboarding from the start was a graphic uh, adventure. Like very, very quickly, every season you would buy the Burton catalog or get it somewhere and be super excited about the new graphics. 
which I don't think was the case in the skiing industry, but I'm, I'm, I come from snowboarding, so I wouldn't know that much. But clearly, uh, I think it happened, the, the whole thing merged. And, you know, by the mid 90s, skiing was a very visual industry, but which I don't think it was that much before. I mean, I've got some, you know, Jeff was talking about old K2s with the logos kind of repeating itself and destructing itself to the bottom. And, you know, there's, uh, there's other brands like Volkel had amazing skis and, and, uh, you know, Sanner, do you know Sanner? Oh my God, I should share my screen. I've actually got some pictures. And, uh, but I didn't know anything about the ski graphics industry. I had like memories of my childhood, like Rosnio kind of 80s stuff. And, but really the, um, why am I talking about this? Um, what's the debate? What's the question? You know, like, no well, if skiing, if, if skiing is a graphics or, or visual industry, I'm not so sure. I think it is now, but it clearly, I don't think <laughs> wasn't a few years back. It took time to kind of get to that. Let me ask, do you agree with this? It seems to me, Yorgo just said that he thinks that, that skiing is becoming more artful, that it is actually, we are trending well, if you guess I care about if you care about artwork and design, things are actually getting better now in the ski world. They're clearly getting more artful, better, I don't know, but yeah, I think they are getting better. And uh, and you just need to look at the industry. So a while back you only had the kind of small brands that were kind of trying stuff out. Now when you have the 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 behemoths, the the, the huge Austrian, American, French companies doing, you know, very visual skis, it's clearly a sign that it's getting more into that direction. So yeah, I think it is getting much more visual and I wouldn't say arty, but visual. Jeff, do you agree with this? Yeah, I think so. John? Yeah, I think so. I feel like it's just like anything, it goes in waves. You know, it's like there was a lot of visual and very artistic skis for a while because that was the thing. And then last year, the year before, you know, everything went back to like very just color blocks, you know, like look at K2s, like very a lot of color blocks or just solid color skis and stuff. So I just think it's like anything. It's just depending on the season, depending on what, you know, people are into. I mean, I don't think the ski industry as a whole, they don't embrace the arts as much as like the board sport sides of like snowboarding and, you know, like skateboarding and surfing where, I almost feel like all those cultures just go hand in hand with like music, art, and then the sport, you know? And so I think skiing is always trying to play catch up a little bit with some of that. The frequency of skis coming out is pretty low compared to the other board sports. I mean, snowboarding is the same, but skateboarding, and that's what really my, my visual culture partly came from skateboarding because say, I don't know how many skateboard companies there are in the world, but when I was, I started skateboarding in the, in the mid eighties, there were probably like 20 brands. Each brand was releasing, I would say, four collections a year. Each collection had like 10 boards. And, and so in a year, you're, you're like an 11 or 12-year-old kid. You're going to see a thousand graphics, like 1,000. And, and some of them, you know, like illustrated, some of them photographic, some of them purely graphic, letters, typeface, whatever. And it's, it was crazy when you think of it. And if you skate regularly, you go through, okay, eight or four to 10 boards a year, obviously much more if you like skate properly, but still. So you have these choices to make every few months. You have the choice, you go to the skate shop, 
you kind of know which shape you like, which brand you like, which wood, etc. But the graphics are so important. Whereas in skiing, it's it's once a season or sometimes even less. And so, you know, that's also maybe I think one of the reasons why skateboarding is still to me the, the kind of pinnacle of 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 um, of a visual sport. You know, there's no sport that's created so many talented artists. I mean, everyone talks all the time about Spike Jones, but there's many others that came from skateboarding. Um, Jeff being one of them. So that's the thing we've seen. The 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 industry, the fact that it costs so much to print yeah. out those skis. And, you know, even at Black Rose, sometimes we do carry over, you know, we do same graphics for two seasons for obvious economic reasons. And we decide, okay, we're going to change maybe free graphics or we're going to bring a new model, a new color. It's going to be the same graphics. And, um, and so it's, it's, not an e it's not as easy as with skateboarding where it's just a plank of wood and, and six screen. I think that's really cool, though, to bring stuff over. I think that's a type of, like, breaking a certain moment. Travis, I want to just get your take on this question of, I am a little bit surprised that Yorgo, I, well, Yorgo and Jeff at least have, and John have said that they think we're trending in a positive direction in the ski world when it comes to art and uh, not, you know, setting bracketing Icelandic and the work you're doing yourself. Do you agree with this generalization? I listen to everybody, you know, I, I just have to say, Yergo, you grew up snowboarding and skateboarding. I grew up skateboarding and snowboarding. Hmm. And so it was, and I went to art school. So for a ski company to embody the idea of these professionals who are skaters, snowboarders, and skiers, and bring that culture into it, I think you're looking at like two of the to the icons right now. I mean, I grew up snowboarding and skateboarding. Um, just recently, you know, I, I would do skiing 50% of the time, but recently I'm just like pure ski now. Uh, but before, you know, it was like snowboard, snowboard, snowboard. And kind of, I think as designers, we took that culture and these ideas. Like, I like to look at surfing. Like, if you think about surfing, there's all these iconic representations of artwork around this culture skiing not so much snowboarding yes because of surfing and i think it takes people out of the wheelhouse of skiing to come in and inject ideas and things like that to this sport to actually kind of bring it into the other realms of where everything else is going. And that's how I see it right now. I mean, you talk about skateboarding as a kid and snowboarding and I was the same way and I got ended up being on a ski company. But at the same time, when as an artist, when I was coming out, there was hundreds and thousands of graphics with so many artists on these snowboards that I looked at it and I told myself, I was like, well, I, how am I going to get recognized as an artist in the snowboard world? And it was, it was going to be a lot of hard work. And, you know, I've worked for 686 and um, Rusty Surfboards and things like that. But at the same time, when we created Icelandic, there was nothing else out in the market like this. Mm -hmm. And so it was a no brainer as an artist for me to be like, wow, mm -hmm. let's really shake this 
up and we're going to be that company that does it. I mean, even the shapes and the models that we were creating for the industry were not conventional skiing. It was, it was this hybrid between like snowboarding and skiing, which is funny because Ben was skiing and I was snowboarding. And then we were just both all the time going on the mountain together and like hitting the same jumps and, and just going through this life as a skier and a snowboarder that I think ultimately that's kind of what we bring to the table at Icelandic is that it's both it's the traditional skiing, but it's also the traditional skate and surf and snow. And then we kind of just melded it together with both of our personalities to create what we're creating. And, you know, I love skis that, you know, like other people were saying, it's like, if I had my pair of skis, it would be blank. It would be a black top sheet. It wouldn't be all this artwork on it. But I think the importance of bringing that culture and an image to this sector of skiing, which has never really happened before, not in the sense of what's happening now, was a real eye awakener. It's like, oh man, we this is it. Like, I don't want to go work for a Never Summer. I don't want to go work for Never Summer. I'm going to say that because of Colorado, but I don't want to work for another snowboard company because they just rifle how many different artists out every year and just pay them, make a bunch of money off their artwork, pay them a little bit, and then move on to the next and move on to the next. And as an artist, like seeing that cycle with these companies that are doing stuff like that just makes me sick. And it just devalues the actual artist, but then puts their art in more of a marketing kind of money-making scheme, which as an individual, and you're, if you're going to be a freelancer, it just, it just rapes the industry. And I don't support that at all. And I knew like starting Icelandic, you know, I could be that artist that can do this. And, you know, ultimately, you know, Yergo, like I'm just now hearing your story that you've been with Black Crows since the beginning. I thought I was maybe one of, one of the only other ones that have actually done that. And it's very rare. There's a tried and true like idea of like, wow, one artist has done all of it and like and benefited with their career and financially and and everything instead of just, okay, we need the next hottest thing, you know, and that's marketing. It's like, oh, we need the next hottest artist here. Let's go out, grab those artists, bring them in, pay them very little and make a lot. And that idea in business, just, I don't, I, I don't appreciate it. I don't know if that answered the question, but that was my two cents on yeah, that. Yeah, I needed to yeah. get that in. I'd like to ask you guys, and I'm just going to throw this out, see what you think. But as you are all talking about what you've seen in the ski industry in terms of art and the like in these different perspectives, I have had many conversations over the years with the ski engineers And the product managers or the brand managers and marketing people. And honestly, a lot of the time, it's like, okay, we're coming out with this new ski. Can we just put something on the top sheet that will kind of be innocuous and hopefully maybe nobody notices? And then they'll, it's like there is a real fear that the art is going to get people to not 
purchase the thing that they just built. It's almost a little surprising in some ways when you all are sort of not, I don't want to say all, but there's been a lot of this, like we think it's getting better. And I keep thinking of all these conversations that I have a lot where it's like, can we just do something and it doesn't make people go buy the other thing? Thoughts on that? What do, what do we say or think about that? You know, there's a lot of talent involved in creating the shape and the materials and how the ski performs. I mean, we're talking about the Olympics here and people hucking meat down 80 miles an hour down a super GS course. That in itself should be the focus is the engineering and the quality of the product because you're putting your life into it. And so if you throw some artwork on it, you gussy it up a little bit and it's a shitty ass product, then that person could potentially kill themselves. And so there is this idea in my mind, at least between the artists that actually create the actual ski and the performance versus slapping a top sheet on it and making it look good and selling a shit ton. And so I think, you know, I'm just going to say this since we're live, Icelandic does both. We go in, we have the best skis on the market, three-year warranty, no questions asked, and we throw some great artwork on it. That's how it needs to happen, you know? Um, Yeah, but the thing is, you're never going to escape what Jonathan said. And we get, we're faced with this, you know, some people are going to go into a shop and they're going to see our skis and especially like our uh, touring skis, which are monochrome. And someone's going to say, oh, I want the pink one. And then the, 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 the person in the shop is going to say, oh, well, actually the pink one only comes in huge sizes and is really stiff and you probably don't have the level for that ski. And they go like, I don't care. So they get the pink one. So you, you can never uh, escape the fact that some of the customers are going to go for something purely based on aesthetics. So, which is kind of good, but it's also, as you just said, you know, uh, it's kind of a life and death thing in, in our case, because the pink or pink touring ski is the Corvus Freebird. And it's very, I wouldn't say it's unskiable, but if you're not a good skier, I would not recommend the pink one, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> I try, I've tried to talk someone out of buying that pink ski and they didn't <laughs> listen to me. Uh, I was like, don't, no, do not get the pink one. Green is nice. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question for the, the ski team, the ski company owners, because I think uh, back to what Travis was saying, like the, like, I think that like, if you look at the structure of the ski industry, like how many times have these big companies been bought and sold? Who owns them? How many art departments have they been through? Because I, in the ideal world that the, the, like the room, where the design team is, is like right next to where the, the engineering is. And, you know, there's the industrial design, the visual design, but they all sort of under, they're in this room. They understand the goal of the brand. And the goal of the brand might be like, we make performance skis that are very, you know, like, but that are also, you know, uh, d- double as like touring skis. Or you have some, like ideally you have some use you're not just like ski company right and so that there's some even like like i think like design at its greatest like can communicate very subtle um uh they're not even ideas but it's like a subtle feeling or sense that you can't articulate any other way but with visuals and that can be a color that can be a stripe 
or it can be a painting. And I think that the, the, I, the reality is what's most important is that connection to that humanity behind a brand, which is somebody started with an idea, with a thought. Um, so with both like landing at back close, it's like, there's a very clear understanding that there's human beings behind those fees. It's not like uh, owned by venture capital or, um, or they're not such a big uh, European company that have this thick, um, like impenetrable, like sort of opaque gauze of racing, for example, that is very hard to understand. Um, John, yeah. what are your thoughts on this, listening and taking all this in? I think for like the smaller boutique brands, it's an easier thing to kind of like not think about, you know, because they're trying to set themselves apart. So they're going to go with what they like, you know, I think once you get to those bigger brands that worry about like, am I going to be able to sell thousands and thousands of these to ski resorts as rental fleets, you know, and stuff like that, or that's, you know, like to the Midwest and stuff like that, that just want a simple graphic, you know, they want to know the ski they're buying is good, but they just want something like, I think you said like innocuous or just Mm -hmm. very simple, you know, because that also just fits their aesthetic or it's a ski that will fit the aesthetic of like thousands of people, you know? So I think it's something maybe the bigger brands worry about more than some of the smaller ones that can take more of a, you know, a leap of faith into some designs and stuff. Cause if K2 doesn't sell like those, that giant rental fleet to like 12 different resorts because of the graphic, you know, that's something to really worry about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that they probably think about a lot when they're talking about it and they want, you know, they want to make that ski that, you know, like maybe 60% of the population are going to be super happy on, you know, cause it's going to be for groomers or, you know, like, between the green runs and up to you make dabbling into like a black or something like that. You know, I have a weird question for you all. I keep trying to imagine something like if we had a czar for artwork in the ski industry. And if you got to be the czar, would there be a principle that you would like to you could, you could be a benevolent dictator if you like, or you could, you know, be not that benevolent. So would there be suggestions or extremely strong commands or principles that based on your own experience and perspective, you would like to say, hey, industry, we're moving in this direction now? That's my weird question. Good luck. Clothing. I mean, I'm, I also need yeah. to want to talk about ski. I want to talk about outfits and you know, actually, funny enough, we haven't talked about the ultimate uh, chopstick <laughs> designing a ski pole. Good luck. This is like the hardest oh. thing on earth. <laughs> I mean, next level. so thin. It's so thin. And there's like so many constraints because your, your graphics can't touch on one side. I mean, the overlap is super precise. I mean, you can't overlap, actually, but the way you need to finish the graphic to not have that line of non-printed thing. So anyway, so yeah, the uh, the industry, I think is kind of, you know, we don't have to ban those kind of, how do you call those uh, beanies with the pointy things? <laughs> like the dreadlock, the hat with dreadlocks attached to it? Yeah, but the colorful the, dreadlocks. We've sometimes the a, a, a kind of- The gesture. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So they, they don't need to be banned anymore because they're out, you know, really, we can't see them. We could actually reinvite them in the landscape, you know, <laughs> okay, I get that. So your goes first, 
first move as czar of art in the ski industry is we're going to go back to jester hats. <laughs> exactly. All right. well, okay. I think that's already here. I saw that last weekend here in Crested Butte. Here in CB, in CB, it's yeah, it might be more popular here than a lot of places, uh, <laughs> I think. But uh, but you know, it's funny because I was looking yesterday at the um, the um, Corbett competition. You know, the yeah. Um, yeah. kings and queens, and the outfits. You know, you couldn't see much of the skis. You could see uh, that's actually quite interesting. It was foggy. The conditions were really bad, and uh, and. All you could see were the outfits and the snowboard uh, snowboard bases, like barely the skis were so thin, thin from far away. Guys doing spins and stuff. You, all you could see, I could barely, you know, I was trying to see if someone was riding black clothes. I couldn't see it because it was too foggy. But I could clearly see if someone was riding a Burton snowboard, like for sure. You know, that's actually you know also a factor that you have to take in consideration when you design skis is the visibility from afar. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, but then again, so just to go back to the industry, how it's going, all the outfits were pretty cool. And someone actually, one of the speakers said, oh, it's interesting this year, everyone's wearing uh, top and bottoms and same color. They're not like one pieces, but you know, the jackets and the trousers are monochromatic and they said, oh, it's kind of cool. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. We've been doing that for a few years at Black Rose and I quite often dress in monochrome. But yeah, so I think it's going in the good direction. So as a, as a czar, apart from bringing back the jester hat. You're going to go stand among the masses and say, good job. <laughs> no, for real. Yeah, okay. Um, Jeff, if you're a czar, year two, you get to be czar. What are, what are we doing or what are we not doing anymore? I mean, I think built into that is like, you can't. You can't with like visual culture, like it's like you just want to like it's sort of like it's really like the rule like visual culture is like like one of the goals is like how do you break rules like oh like we'll break this rule and that's what we did like oh you can't do photos so we'll do photos you can't do you know so like it's it's corny to do that so we'll do that so like it's like making rules is like very difficult Mm -hmm. but like you also so i think it's like instead of making like rules as the czar you put these it's sort of like i think of it as like creative prompts you know, it's like the like it's like the John Cage or or who was it that did the uh, uh, anyway I can't remember. But they're like the book of creative prompts, mm. and uh, and I think it's like you go like oh like uh, each ski company has to create hire a designer from outside the ski community. You mm. know, like how can you bring other voices into skiing, um, or how can you like or like have like someone like have like the the material designer do the graphic or do, or do something like this one's done by someone who lives in a ski town or it's like a ski patroller or something like go like deep inside and like deep outside but like i think like there could be maybe like better prompts that would really like answer some problems with the industry maybe or not problems but like limitations of the industry that are about like um yeah like design like that you only that you do new graphics every year like why don't you have like make your one like, you know, I think a lot of like surf companies, like so a lot of companies, they'll have the thing or like luxury goods companies that like, they always make the same bag every year, but just change materials. So like challenge to be like, how do you create less waste and like get out of this, like sort of like sick, like, like whatever, there's the trade show. And it's like, here's the same product with different graphics. Like no one is fooled anymore. And now there's like a whole world where products are designed, like basically pre-sold, like like okay this is like the graphic for this year how many people want to buy it pre-sale it and then it gets sold like direct to consumer and like these new models and that are healthier models 
and that have like a, you have a better relationship with your manufacturers there's less waste and there's less of this sort of like predicting what people like and i think that um like the thing you said about like a good design that people don't like the graphics like i totally feel for that like when i'm putting a graphic on anything i'm like oh man like i don't i don't like who am i to say you know and i also don't believe like the graphic like sort of um I don't know. Like you want to give value to things. And the thought of like taking value away is like every designer's. Okay. I like this. So Jeff as czar, we're going to get into creative prompts. John, what are you doing as czar? I don't even think it's a job I could take because it's, I don't feel like, like my aesthetics, like the things I like, not everybody likes and the things, you know, like my other artist friends, a lot of the art they like, I'm like, really? You like that? You know, so it's just all subjective. So it's like, I think you can't really have one person kind of putting together stuff because not everybody's going to agree with it, you know? Um, Cause you know, how many times is like, like Travis and Jeff, you've made like a painting that you're like, this is awesome. It's going to be the first thing to sell at a show. And then it's like the last thing to ever sell. And that piece that you were like, like I've made filler pieces. I'm like, oh, this sucks, but I just need to stick it here. And all of a sudden, it's the first thing that sells that you're like, hey, like, where did that come from? Yeah. So Satellite. I think for me, it's just like an idea. I can't really place myself into that situation, you know. Travis, if you're a czar, one of the things you've already told us, I think you would say, all right, we're not going to do this thing where we're burning through artists and paying them very little. Like that's something it seems like would be on your... Uh, your platform? I guess the number one thing, it's really simple, is that like we have this awesome industry and everybody in this industry loves each other. And so it's not about corporate America and like trying to beat the other dude. It's it's all about every company coming out with their unique voice and their unique way of designing skis to bring that idea in the collective unconscious so that there's not just one option that they have a multiple options to choose from but the trick is if i was czar i would say authenticity is number one and every person in this category if they they either have to have authenticity or not or you're out i don't know hmm. i don't know um, cause I, I believe like that's the stew. It's like all the different flavors in this kind of create the ski industry or create other industries. And if we all come together and know that we have our own fingerprint and we're not trying to beat the other guy or trying to do this, but we're just trying to really be authentic to ourselves and the actual product itself through manufacturing and distribution, God, we're just going to win, win, win. And then the everyone's going to be super stoked in this industry if if we do that. And so that would be my czar move is, is to to keep keep everybody authentic, unique, and offer something to the to the world that you at least at least a couple people or a, a bunch of people will really enjoy getting out into nature. I mean, that's that's the one. Well, gentlemen, while I am tempted to just keep asking questions until Yorgo finally just signs off and we just we just see a blank screen there, I do want to respect your time, but maybe I will ask you to each um, 
just give us a parting thought, uh, perhaps tease a topic, uh, I don't know, for, for next year or something that we should be thinking about when it comes to this topic of art in the ski world and design in the ski world? Well, I can say I can, I can finish off, but yeah, thanks for having me as part of this. And I, I can tell you, like, I, I balance my time. Like I have shows and I have, um, in projects that, um, like I generate on my own as my, I'm the, like the boss and, and the, I'm the, the client and the artist. And I always return to projects in the outdoor industry. And I think that says something that it's like, it's like really fun to make stuff in a world that you respect and you love. But also there's like, there is room within it to make interesting things. And I think that the stuff we're sort of discussing, those are like challenges. So like, I like to do, continue to do design. I don't just want to make art every day. That's just like hand have art shows. I want to like take on design projects and work in industries that offer challenges that offer that I go like, man, I don't know how to do chopstick. I don't know how to make a chopstick <laughs> look good or in or for a company that doesn't really even understand what I do. So I have to like, you know, there's these sort of, it's like a, yeah, it's like a, it's a little bit like CrossFit a little bit. Like it's like a little bit unpleasant at times, but you like return to it because you come out of it. Like, um, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's rewarding. And, but I do think that says something about like the outdoors industry in general, like um, that there's like room in it to for a great work to be made. And- Travis? Return to nature. I don't know. Do what you love. Surround yourself with the right people and just elevate it all with each other. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to uh, reconnect with all, with all of the artist panel here and, uh, start the conversation. So mm. you guys are awesome. I really appreciate what you do and keep doing it. Mm. The world's better for it. John. I think it's just, it's the same advice you could kind of for any creative industry where it's, if, or if you're an illustrator and designer and stuff, it's for me, it was my style has kind of been there for a long time. Like the industry never recognized it for a long time. Mm. The design world didn't recognize it because it was, when I started doing everything by hand, it was like doing all my, all my work is hand carved and hand printed. Everything was just like beautiful computer work or realistic computer illustrations. And so I think it was just sticking with it. And eventually that whole recyclical thing came and like, Oh, the industry caught up to what I was doing or finally valued it again. And so I think it's just sticking to what you love and, you know, working hard and then I think then those companies will come to you and value what you do. And I think that's the biggest thing is like finding those companies that value the work that you do, not just like, Oh, you're like a big name. You're going to make money for us. It's like, they actually see like what you're doing can relate to what their company philosophy is. So like working like with Patagonia and stuff like that, like I'm sure Jeff feels the same way. It's like, your own personal beliefs align really well with some of these companies, you know? And then that's like, I think what's nice to see now, a lot of those companies are stepping up and really pushing their company beliefs into environmental issues and stuff like that, that it is nice to finally see that and not just work for a company just for the sake of a company's name, you know? And I think um, that's been one of the hardest things when you get approached by companies that, you don't fully believe in like their 
don't know, their background, you know, it's like, they might be cool at the moment, but it's like, do they actually align with a lot of the stuff that you think, you know? And I think that is the biggest hurdle for me now. Your go. The luck we have in working in that industry is that uh, there's two things. First of all, uh, the pleasure of doing something that ends up on an object that is going to end up under someone else's feet and that you're going to encounter in a line uh, for, for a lift or on a lift or, you know, wherever. That, that, to me, that's unrivaled. You know, I've never had as much pleasure as a creative person as that. You know, I've done ad campaigns where I could see my posters on the street. It's not the same thing because the poster is imposed to people on the street. When someone has a, black, a pair of black rose skis mm-hmm. under their feet, they've chosen them. I mean, they might have chosen them because they love the skis, they hate the graphics. And, you know, I never know. I will never know. But <laughs> there's a chance that, you know, they, they, that was part of their decision to get those skis. So it's a very kind of, I must say, ego-boosting thing. But it's also... You know, you feel a link to them. You want to talk to those people. Mm. So I would give that advice to any young designer, you know, work in an industry that produces objects and that you like, you know, in a way. And uh, so that's extremely pleasurable, I think. And so this is the one of the nice things about this industry is that we produce objects, you know, and they're, you know, palpable and you can feel them. And the other thing is it's still, you know, an industry where a lot of the actors are core, they come from the sport and they, uh, and, or from, from the practice, or they, if they don't come from like a professional background, they practice it. You know, Patagonia is a good example. You know, it's, there's that myth about Patagonia being a company where everyone goes and practices the, what they preach, you know, but it's kind of true. And, um, and in some other industries, you're going to be, you know, people are not going to be excited about what they do in, in our industry, you know, at Black Crows, for example, it's just one company, but most of the actors of the company ski and some of them ski extremely well. You know, some, a lot of them are ex-professional skiers. Our skis are actually shaped by Julien Regnier, who was, you know, a legend, co-founder of Armada, uh, Olympic mogul skier in Nagano in 96. His mother did the Olympics in France, in slalom in 68, you know, he lives in Lapline. So you can't get more core than this. And that's a really nice thing about the industry as well. And um, I found this, um, people saying those things in the skateboard and the surfing world as well, you know, like, can't remember the WSL, the, the World Surfing League, got a new CEO, I think, who wasn't a surfer and there was a big uproar about it mm-hmm. in the country. I think it yeah. was that or something. Yeah. So that's the good thing about this industry. It's still quite core and, you know, you can feel it. You, when you're at ESPO, I don't do SIA, but I, I used to do ESPO in, in, in Munich. <laughs> and on a Sunday, there's the kids' bull downhill race. No one works anymore. There's no one at the table doing a meeting. Everyone is in front of the giant screens looking the guys going down. And that's quite exciting, you know. And, and you know that some of the people in the crowd next to you have done that race, you know. You, you guess. And uh, so I love that about this industry. Yeah. And the, the object and the practice, basically. Very well said. Hey, again, I don't know. I, I'm so thrilled that we could make this happen and to bring, to bring you all together and to talk about these topics that, as Yorgo just said well, are very near and dear to all of our hearts. Uh, this is really special and uh, a big deal for me. And um, I look forward to getting a chance to 
keep conversations going with uh, with some of you and and pick up conversations with you guys. So thanks so much for this. And, and I think you all have, well, one, thank you for the work that I think it's so interesting to me because if we look at a wor- the work that a lot of you each are known for, it's so different. And I think that's what's so, one of the things that's so interesting, we barely touched on it here, but to be doing work with in such a distinct way, driven, as you all have well said, by such a passion for these things. This is just all very special. And I really hope that people, you know, watching this panel and listening into this, um, I think you've given them a lot, all of us, a lot to think about and uh, and look forward to in, in terms of your future work. So uh, thank you so much. And I can't wait to have individual conversations with each of you and and bring things back around at some point down the line. So thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. you, everyone. Thanks a lot for having us. Thank you all. Well, that's it for this episode of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourselves and everybody else. And we will talk to you again later this week.